Well, it is great to be with you on Christmas Eve. My name is Bob Kedlisek. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we've been going through this series about an unlikely Christmas, all the improbable, unlikely things that all came together when Jesus came to earth. And, and today and tomorrow, there are billions of people all over the world celebrating the greatest, most important birth in human history. Even if you don't believe that Jesus was God and you don't believe God's word, you have to admit that there's something about this Jesus. There have been more books written about him than any other human being. In fact, probably the top 10 other human beings put together, not as many books as about Jesus. More songs about Jesus than any other person in all of human history. More paintings of Jesus than any other person in human history. And Christmas is, is such a big deal. There's all this stuff around Christmas, right? There's Christmas carols that we might sing together here, or maybe you sing on your own. And then there's Christmas decorations $8 billion a year, Christmas decorations. And uh, this person, you know, $300 million right there, I think, on that house. And then Christmas presents, whole areas, areas, you know, areas of the economy are dependent upon, you know, the Christmas gift-giving thing. And, and then you got, of course, the Christmas foods, cookies and candy canes. And maybe you have some specialty, like my grandma always made kapusnika which is basically cabbage soup, but it's, it tastes so much better on Christmas Eve. And then the Christmas traffic is second only to Thanksgiving. But how did we get here? Like, why is Christmas such a big deal? And I think it's because, this is, I think, a self-evident statement that unlikely events tend to produce incredible celebrations, unlikely good events. And, and so that's the case with Jesus, unlikely that God, who's perfect and all-powerful and can do anything, that God would put himself into a tiny little baby and be born among people. And then to be born of a virgin, even more unlikely. And so it's so, such an unlikely birth. We have been celebrating it for 2,000 plus years since. And, and this is true of other things too, right? Not just unlikely events tend to produce Incredible celebrations. If the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl again this year, <sighs> right? Be the third year out of the last five. They've been in three of the last four Super Bowls so far. I mean, there would be a celebration in one city in America, and that'd be pretty much it, you know? But what if the Cleveland Browns won the Super Bowl? Oh my goodness! There's been 57 Super Bowls and they've never even shown up. I, you know, it, it would be crazy, you know, and there'd be, we got people in our church from Ohio and everybody from Ohio is a Cleveland Browns fan because they hate life, you know, <laughs> and, and it would be an amazing celebration. It'd probably shut the city down for a whole week, right? And that's not just true of Super Bowls, that's true of babies. I asked a woman in this church if I could share a little bit of her story. She and her husband met in their early to mid-20s, and they got married, and, and then they thought, oh, you know, we'll have some kids, and then they didn't have kids. They went to the doctor, and the doctor said, wait a year, and then they waited a year, and they still didn't have kids, and then the doctors ran all sorts of tests, and then they had shots and hormone treatments and medical procedures, and some of you have been through this. You know what it's like. This roller coaster that's a little bit up, but mostly just down and down. And it's expensive. And after a while, they just said, you know what? It's just not working. And we're spending all this money and it's, nothing's happening. And if God wants us to have a kid, I guess we will. And if he doesn't, we won't. And then at the age of 36, 
Jeanette and Ron Craig had a little girl, Nicole. And you know what? It's, it's great whenever there's a baby, you know, but the grandparents are even more thrilled. In fact, I talked to one, one of her grandmas, you know, last night, and she was like, there's more to the story. Let me tell you. And she talked to me for like 15 minutes, you know, and, and boy, and they were so more excited. And then there were cousins who were excited, and there were, you know, aunts and uncles. And, and Jeanette said when she came to church with little baby Nicole, there was a line of women waiting to hold her. Why? Because it was unexpected. Because it was like, and so that makes the celebration even more wonderful. And Luke 2 talks about the most unexpected, amazing birth in human history. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And we'll get back to that verse and talk about it a little bit again. But suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of the others, the armies of heaven. I just picture God in heaven saying, okay, Jesus is going to be born. God will come to earth. I'm looking for volunteers. Who wants to celebrate this? And like every angel in heaven, you know, it's like, yeah. And so the armies of heaven, we don't know, hundreds millions, we don't know, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And so unlikely good events produce incredible celebrations, right? It's kind of like our lives sometimes, and we're going to make this Christmas tree represent your life today. And I don't know what your Christmas tree is like at home, but mine doesn't look like this. This is like thematic, right? Our Christmas tree that we have is like random, okay? Because it, it, every ornament, not everyone, but a lot of the ornaments, they represent different events in our life. So we got like baby's first Christmas, you know, we got, we got Star Wars because the kids were into that. We got ones from when I was a kid. We got a clarinet because, you know, our kids play clarinet and, you know, just different. And so it's like events in our life is on the tree. And so let's just imagine that this tree is your life. And uh, different events come to your life, and then you just kind of hang those up because this is a story of your life. In fact, how many of you have like random Christmas trees? They're not thematic. They're just like random things and ones from, yeah, all right, good. All right, you guys are all cool. All right. So, so let's just say you graduate from high school, and so there you go, and you're like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. I graduated from high school, and then you get your first job, and it's not very good. So you put it down here because, you know, it's not really that. But then you get a real job, like in a career and doing something that is, is you know, either you make real money or, or it's like rewarding, and you're like, okay, yeah, that, that one I can put like right here. That's, that's awesome, you know. And then you meet that special someone. You're like, oh, I know right where to put that one. And maybe you get married and everything. And, and there you go. And your life is just coming together. And then, then you have, you know, these other ornaments that God gives you, you know. And you're like, wait a minute. That, that doesn't go with the theme. That doesn't fit into my life. Sickness. Maybe you get cancer. 
maybe multiple sclerosis or chronic fatigue syndrome or Lyme disease or whatever it is, and it's debilitating, and, and you're like, well, where do I put where do I put that? Like, it doesn't really fit. You know, and, and now everybody's looking at that. Right? I'm no longer the high school graduate with a special someone and the job and the career. Now, now I'm, the, I'm the sick person. Thanks. Thanks, God. And, and then, you know, you get another ornament, and, and this one's worse. Divorce. That's not supposed to be part of my story. That wasn't in the plan. And of course, you know, you put this where you put all the ugly ornaments, right? In the back. That's right. I got this little hand made out of flour and salt by one of my kids who will remain, remain nameless. And it broke in half, and so I super glued it together. And I put that right in the back, right, yeah, where... You know, and if he ever asks, like, hey, where's my hand? You're like, oh, it's right over here so people can see it out the window. <laughs> you know, from the street, 50 yards away, you know. And that's where you put that one. And, and then you get another one, maybe, and now this is grief. I was emailing a woman in our church yesterday. This is her first Christmas without someone she really, really loves. And she's not doing well. In fact, I haven't seen her yet. I hope she comes. She needs to be with people. But this, this just, I mean, this will like just bend the tree over, right? And, and what do you do with it? You're running out of space in the back, you know, and you can't put it out of your head and you can't, you can't pretend it's not there anymore. What, what, what is the point of these things, you know? What I have up here is really true. You know, unlikely good events produce incredible celebrations, but unlikely bad events produce incredible confusion. Because what used to be kind of a cute little tree now just looks like a mess. And honestly, if the table wasn't back there, it'd probably be falling over. What is that all about? And I think we forget that the first Christmas was the same way. There were all sorts of events in there that weren't, weren't part of the perfect picture. You think of Mary when Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, a righteous man. It's saying because, not, it's not because he had some flaw in his character, because he was a good guy. He decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. He said to Mary, you know what? You're saying an angel appeared to you, and he said the, the power of the Most High overshadowed you and the baby born. I don't believe a word of it. You're a liar, and you're an immoral woman, and I'm not going to marry you anymore. How devastating would have that been to Mary? And to be a single mom in that culture and that day and age... It was horrible. And yes, God worked it out. But in the moment, she was like, what is this, God? God, what are you doing? And then we talked about this, you know. It's such a cool picture. We got the nativity, right, with the baby in the manger. And if I was Joseph, I would have been thinking I was a complete failure. 
I knew we should have left home earlier, you know, but I thought we'd have the baby at home and then we wouldn't have it in this barn. And, and then I should have brought more money. Maybe I didn't have more money. I should have made more money. I should have saved more money because maybe if I gave the innkeeper more money, we would have saved, stayed in a half decent place. But now we're here. I should have argued with him more, but we're here in this barn. And we think it's this like cool camping trip kind of thing, right? With the cute little sheep and the, the adorable donkey who just stepped on his foot, you know, Joseph, and he's like, and then the, the sheep just, sheep just go anywhere. They are not house trained. No mom ever said, you know what would be nice next time? To have our next baby in a stranger's barn. You know, that would be nice. No! And if I was Joseph, I'd be thinking, not only have I failed Mary, I've failed my God. He's entrusted me. He sent an angel to me to tell me how special this baby was. And he's, getting, he's born in a barn, and we're putting him in a feeding trough. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. How did I mess things up so badly? But it was all part of God's plan, and then it got worse. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. They came to the, the, you know, the king in the capital city. They said, hey, the king of the Jews has been born. Where is he? And they were like, what? And Herod, being a sly man and paranoid and a mass murderer, said, oh, why don't you find out where this baby is and then come back and tell me. But the angel warned them not to go back to Herod. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. And Herod's brutal actions fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are dead. And this edict that he made means that there were probably not only hundreds of families that were grieving on the first Christmas, there were probably a few that lost both their sons. If there were two and a newborn, kill them all. Merry Christmas? How, how is that? And then the greatest most wonderful thing, but at the time it looked like the most horrible thing. Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When Mary saw Jesus dying on the cross, she was there. And she must have thought, how is this the plan? That angel promised that his kingdom would be forever and he never even got married and had kids, so he can't have a kingdom that's forever because he's dying. H how is this going to work? Unlikely bad events create great confusion. goes on, but it says, yeah, yes, Adam's one sin brings, sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. The unlikely events that Jesus went through from the manger to the cross and then the empty tomb, it was all for you. For you. He suffered for you. 
so that you could have a right relationship with God. Because, you know, unlikely events create great celebrations. We've been celebrating the birth of Jesus for at least 1,700 years, but we've been celebrating the resurrection of Jesus not only once a year for for almost 2,000 years, but we've been celebrating it every week for almost 2,000 years. Did Did you know this? Every so often, someone like who thinks they're super smart comes up to me, or they've, more likely, they've talked to someone who thought they were super smart. And they come up to me and say, hey, did you know that the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, is actually Saturday? I'm like, yeah. Well, then why don't we meet on church on the Sabbath day? That's the day of rest. That's the day in the Old Testament says we should. And, and you know why we meet on Sunday? Because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, and every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday is a day that we remember. If he didn't rise from the dead, we'd all be Jewish. Actually, probably none of us would be Jewish. We'd all be pagan, and we wouldn't worship on any day, you know? But he rose on a Sunday, and so that's why we get together on Sundays. And because Jesus came to earth to die for us and to save us, and you know what? He's coming back. In fact, January 7th, all of the month of January, we're going to be online next Sunday, but a week from next Sunday, on on January 7th, we're going to meet here, and we're starting a series called The Final Countdown, and we're going to talk about the events that are happening in the world right now that should not surprise us and are going just as God's Word says they would. The nation of Israel, so many other events that are going on, the, the fighting, the war, This is right from the pages of Scripture, and so starting January 7th, we're going to go through for four weeks and talk about what does the Bible say. It's called The Final Countdown, and hopefully we'll play that song too, although maybe not the band, but hey, if the band can do it. I did not ever tell them this before just now. All right, so um, back to the tree. You got all these ugly things, and you got more that come along. You know, you got joblessness and all sorts of other things. And, and, and you look at this and you say, you know, it just, that just doesn't fit in my life. And that's because this isn't the kind of life God wants you to have. This is the kind of life God wants you to have. This is the Rockefeller Christmas tree. It's an 80-foot-tall Norway spruce, weighs 24,000 pounds. Try dragging that one out of the woods. <laughs> has over 50,000 lights on it, and this, this star at the top is a work of art. It was commissioned just for this tree. It has 3 million individual crystals in it. It weighs over 900 pounds, 43 feet in diameter. That, these ornaments, they fit perfectly on that tree, right? And you might say, well, that's not my life. I could never have a life that grand and that wonderful and that huge and awesome. But you know what? That actually is exactly the life God wants you to have. And I don't mean great as in he wants you to be as famous as the Rockefeller tree or as wealthy or anything that the world considers great. No, the greatness God wants for you is greatness of character, greater love, greater joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, greater faith. Basically, he wants you to look more like Jesus who came and died for you and who has said to every one of us here, follow me. Will you follow him even with the confusing things? Now, you might 
be here today and you're like, yeah, like maybe you, Pastor Bob. Maybe that's you, but that's not me. I, I'm, just, I'm just insignificant. I'm not the black sheep. I'm the invisible sheep. <laughs> but do you know where the Rockefeller tree came from this year? Vestal, New York. Yeah, Becky and I drove up to look at it before they cut it down. And you know what I was impressed with? How unimpressive it was. There are bigger pine trees in my neighbor's lawn, and I live in town, okay? And, and there are a lot that look just like that. You know, the truth is, the tree isn't really that special. I mean, it came from Vestal. <laughs> if it was from Montrose, you know, then. But no, what's amazing is the master craftsmen and how they've decorated it and how they've... What, what they've put on it is what has made the tree. And what God has put in your life is what is making your life. Even the hard things and the difficult things and the things you don't understand, unlikely good events produce incredible celebrations, but even unlikely bad events, they serve a purpose if you trust God with them. Are you ready to trust God? not only with this Christmas, but with every day going forward. I want to close with a prayer of salvation, and it's also a prayer. You know, if you, if you have given God your life, you don't have to keep doing it. You don't, God, once you're God's child, He never, like, puts you up for adoption or kicks you out. But, but it is important, even as believers, even as those who, who maybe made this decision to trust Jesus and follow Him and give Him our lives and ask for His forgiveness— even those of us who have done that years ago, we need to do that every day. We need to say, today, God, I'm going to follow you. Today, God, I'm going to trust you. No matter where it takes me, no matter what event comes my way, I'm going to trust you, God, with it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for bringing everybody here, those online, those in the room, bringing us all here today to be reminded of what you did not only in coming as a baby over 2,000 years ago, but in dying on the cross. God, I just ask that you would just help us to trust you. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has never made you their Savior, and Lord, I just ask that they would pray with me now. God, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong to hurt other people and to hurt you, and, and I, I I know I can't pay for it outside of going to hell. And so, God, instead of sending me to hell, I just ask that you'd put my hell on Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, that he would pay for my sins. And out of gratitude for all you've done for us, I just, I just give you my life. I want to follow you from this day forward. No matter what you say, no matter hard it is, how hard it is, no matter how different it is from how I want to live, I want to live and follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.